Hello, welcome to Aero Bandwidth, your source for everything you need to know about the technologies, trends, and concepts that are steering our industry today. We hope that you enjoy this episode, and if you do, please subscribe. Hello and welcome to another edition of Aero Bandwidth. I'll be your host today, Adam Capgun, and joining me is a colleague of mine, Larry Bourgeois and Miko from Veritas. Gentlemen, how are you? Doing great. great. Excellent. Well, hey, Larry, I think you're a returning voice to Aero Bandwidth, and Miko, you're a new voice, so we'll start with uh, the newcomers first. Why don't you take just a second to give our listeners a little bit of your background, who you are, what you're about, and then Larry, uh, if you do the same, and then we'll go from there. All right. Thanks, Adam. So my name is again, uh, it's Mikko Nukri. I'm a product manager at Veritas for Backup Exec product family. I've been with the company for a good while, 16 years now. Started with uh, in SE as a sales engineer and moved into product management and had so much fun on the way, all the way uh, getting here. Excellent, thanks. Larry? Yeah, Larry Bourgeois. I am a part of the Emerging Technologies Group here at Arrow. Been at Arrow about four years now. And the focus of our group is looking at, oh, all of the suppliers that are new to the AeroLine card or suppliers that over time have just um, need a little bit more attention than we've given them at Aero to try and help increase the revenue for them and for us. So it's it's busy, a lot of vendors to look at, and Veritas is one of our premier vendors on our line card. Fantastic. Thanks. Well, Miko, welcome. We're, we're happy to have you on our uh, our podcast. Hey, so, you know, when we think about Veritas, and we think about Backup Exec, right? They, you know, most people are probably familiar with that name. The product's been around for a very long time. In fact, I used it, you know, back in the day when I was an end customer myself. But I, but I think that uh, the Veritas and, and perhaps even Backup Exec has become so much more than what uh, what some of us may know it to be. Why don't we start with uh, you helping us understand a little bit more about kind of Veritas's view um, in relation to the unified data protection strategies that exist out there? Sure. So um, again, I just want to provide a little bit of uh, insight into where Backup Exec plays. So at Veritas, we get, again, we have a couple of different solutions overall. We have NetBackup, which is our enterprise data protection solution overall. Backup Exec is really aimed at that small and mid-sized business segment overall. So it's really SMB that we're going after there. And when we look at SMB on who are the kind of primary users of, of Backup Exec as a solution, it's typically the IT journalist people who wear many hats. They do backups, they do uh, overall uh, OS admin, SUS admin uh, roles, they do virtualization, everything else. So the key really is to have a solution that is easy to use and does everything for you. So you don't, you don't have to run between multiple different solutions. And, and that's really what the unified data protection is all about. So you can have a single solution, single pane of glass, and really have that comprehensive visibility and management monitoring across all of your environments, whether it's cloud, virtual, physical, and really have that optimized experience from performance perspective as well, as well as the breadth and depth of what you can use. So really having that heterogeneous uh, environment interoperability so that you can use anything in your environment, get everything protected, and really do that in a cost-efficient manner as well. So I have a question related to that, Miko. Yeah, you said back of exact focuses on more of the SMB. But in my mind, SMB customers face all the same struggles that enterprise customers do around 
ransomware and keeping costs down and backup and disaster recovery and business continuity. Is that what you have found as well? Uh, that's a great question, Larry. So yeah, absolutely. Everybody is dealing with the same issues overall. It's just more about what do you have in your tool set and how much time you have to actually to manage all of those issues. So ransomware is a great example. It's everywhere. It's not about if you're going to get hit by ransomware. It's when you're going to be hit by ransomware and with the ransomware. And it's really all about understanding and really planning what is your ransomware protection strategy. Because having security, network security, having endpoint security, that is only one aspect of a, a really good security and ransomware strategy. But you also need to have that disaster recovery planning on what do you do once it is in your environment. So when you look at backup, it is really the last line of defense that you can have for any environment to get back from ransomware. Because if you look at the average cost of a ransomware incident, it's starting to be up north of $100,000 per organization per ransomware incident. It's starting to be really high. So you need to really look at the total cost as well on how do you manage and mitigate ransomware as a threat, and then look at how do I actually bring my environment back and how quickly I can bring it back. So what are my SLAs? And how do I make sure that I, for example, adhere to the 3-2-1 rule, which is kind of the core rule of, of backup solutions overall, to keep at least three copies on two different types of media with one at least offsite. And then look at how do we modernize that uh, mix overall? So can we, for example, leverage cloud instead of uh, having to do tape backups and manually manage those? Uh, how do we automate things? And how do we overall optimize the SLAs, the recovery time objective, recovery point objective, basically how much data you can afford to lose and how much downtime your organization can withstand. So yeah, from looking at the kind of the problem statement, it is the same across organizations. The SLAs are a little bit different and also the uh, number of dedicated resources to manage the environments are different. And that's kind of where Backup Exec also has the advantage of, of really providing a good comprehensive solution that manages all the key aspects of what SMBs are facing. Wow, amazing! Thank you. Um, I, I can't help but to think just through your your conversation there that it it you know reminds me maybe the difference between those uh, you know large enterprise companies maybe that SMB you know I, the analogy that popped in my head is like the difference between having one kid and four kids. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I have, I have two kids and I know people with four kids and I absolutely understand that analogy. <laughs> right, yeah. I'm I'm in that in that four kid bucket and I'm thinking, yeah, man, everything you talked about, right? Like you have all the same challenges with, with one child, but then you add a few more, right? And it just kind of multiplies. So to me it's it's a scale thing. But uh but great question, Larry. And Miko, you you covered some some really good stuff in there. Um, maybe we can start to dissect a few of the things you talked about at a deeper level. So, uh, you know, ransomware came up. You know, of course, I think that that continues to be top of mind. Um, we continue to see ransomware attacks. You know, maybe more so now than ever. Maybe we can start with just you know how does Veritas define ransomware, and what are some of the the challenges you see there? You know, with uh, with that particular, I guess, thing. <laughs> yeah, good question. And and again, ransomware uh, is whatever uh, any malicious actors want it to be. So it's all about just penetrating basically organizations' uh, data security and and uh, encrypting basically the information, the business critical information that organizations need to survive. So 
uh, you read about these weekly, all these ransomware incidents, and they, they are really looking at different ways how they can penetrate not only like technology and, and firewalls and security layers overall, but how, how to use social engineering to get into organizations and really have ransomware uh, targeted attacks aimed at organizations that they know that don't have good resources or don't have a good strategy on recovery and are more willing to pay the ransom. The pro problem, of course, there is that even if you pay the ransom, there's no guarantees that you're going to get your data back. So it's it's kind of like a interesting dilemma there for a lot of organizations is that even if you consider ransom uh, payments, there's no guarantee. Some of the ransomware, depending on the ransomware, just automatically deletes the data. So it's not even encrypted, it's just deleted. So there's not really no way to get it, getting it back other than using a restore solution. And um, that's really something that we're trying to mitigate from a backup solution perspective from um, from the perspective that ransomware goes after the backup. So most of the ransomware variants that you have uh, out in the field, they really target backup solutions because they understand that malicious actors understand that again, that uh, backup, if a customer has a working backup, they don't have to pay the ransom. They can actually get everything back. So what the ransomware uh, strings and, and ransomware uh, code really does is they look for backup solutions. They try to target and shut down, for example, services on backup solutions and delete the backups and encrypt the backups overall that are available. So that's something that we really have been focused on on backup exec side as well. So we introduced something called ransomware resilience, which is basically aimed at protecting the storage with backup exec, whether it's uh, just basic uh, disk storage or deduplication storage. We actually um, leveraged a kernel filter driver that is independent of all the services, everything running on a uh, on a Windows server overall. And it allows us to have a, a great protection layer for the storage, the uh, data protection storage where you store your backups locally, in addition to, of course, having an efficient and effective backup strategy and having your data offsite at an air gap location, for example, using cloud solutions or tape or, or any even uh, removable USB storage, whatever the organization feels like is the best way of uh, performing that. So so again, it's a, it's a really combination on the protection side on how do you protect that against ransomware it's it's a kind of multitude of different things because ransomware is not only one thing it's it's an evolving item or an evolving thing like you said that keeps again mutating and having different kind of ways how it attacks organizations so again we need to really make sure that we can keep the uh, backup safe because they are the last line of defense you mentioned earlier a, a three to one rule can, can you help us understand a little bit more about that and, and how does it specifically play into uh, a ransomware strategy? Sure, yeah. So um, the three tool one rule is really key across backup our data protection solutions overall across the board. So it's not really something that has anything to do directly with ransomware, but it applies to ransomware in the same way as well. So anybody who's, again, uh, stored any information knows that you can have uh, all kinds of, with mechanical storage, you can have all kinds of incidents, anything can happen with storage itself. So redundancy is really key overall and having multiple packups. So the first number, the three, is all about having at, at least different, uh, three separate backups of the same system, just to make sure that you have that redundancy from the backup perspective so that you have 
good copies of your backups that you can restore. And really, that's something that with the modern technology that we have with, with Backup Exec, for example, you can also run testing on those backups and make sure that they are recoverable. So we have uh, uh, capabilities like a recovery ready that basically leverage instant recovery technology and on VMware Hyper-V environments can stand up a VM, a read-only VM copy for, mm. directly from the storage and then uh, run the recoverability testing. So make sure that you can actually restore and recover back that VM without having to restore it first and, and move data instead of that, just doing IR uh, instant recovery and uh, running the scripts that we want to run to make sure that applications, everything run and then restoring it back. So that's kind of the redundancy part of the three, two, one rule. Okay. And the second one is the two different types of media. So again, it's, it's all about like what if, if something happens to your, your uh, uh, storage, your disk, your volume, what if something happens to your tape? It's, it's all, it's good to have different types of media that we use for the backups overall so that we don't keep every all the eggs in one basket like like the saying is so that if something happens to one types of media typically they are stored in similar locations as well uh, we still have a good copy that we can bring back and use for restores and disaster recovery and the last number on the 321 is really that offsite copy and that's key for everything so offsite copy you have lots of different ways ways of doing that but the key Really, the problem here is that if you have everything in one single site, all of your information in one single site, it, all it takes is a fire or any kind of natural disaster. I live in Florida, so we have lots of hurricanes. There's a lot of flooding and everything. So really having a location off-site somewhere else than your primary site is key for having the recoverability of your business-critical data so that you can bring it back even if your entire site is destroyed. Uh, you have lots of other problems at that point, of course, but uh, at least your data is uh, safe somewhere else. And a lot of people have started to use public cloud, for example, as a storage destination. There's other ways as well. The traditional way that a lot of people have been using with Backup Exec, and like you mentioned, Backup Exec is more than 30 years old, so it's it has a lot of uh, breadth and depth on different technologies that it supports. But a lot of people are uh, traditionally with Backup Exec have been using tape and tape offsite where they take the tape, for example, somewhere uh, on a separate location, separate vault. And there's a lot of services around that area for companies providing tape offsite um, for organizations. But uh, yeah, we see more and more people moving into cloud, public cloud storage uh, as the offsite location, just because of the automation, so that you don't have to hand off tapes, you don't have to eject, you don't have to move things, different things around and clean the tapes and so forth. But instead, it's all about just moving data over your existing bandwidth and storing it, depending on what your storage class that you require is, whether it's, again, uh, archive storage, cool storage, hot storage, infrequent in access, whatever storage class you need to have, uh, you can just, um, again, deploy that in the cloud, public cloud storage, leverage that for the time you need it for, and then dispose it, and it's all operational cost. So it's all OPEX versus CAPEX. So that's a quick overview on 321. Wow, my head's swimming a little bit on that one <laughs> for the, uh, the detailed uh, description there of, of the three to one rule. Um, you know, you, you talked a little bit about kind of uh, things being air gapped. Can you expand upon that just a bit more? Yeah, so air gapped again, that, that's the, the, the key aspect of, for example, using something like object storage. Object storage is something that it's, uh, for example, on regular regular Windows server in an organization, if you're storing something on 
just another server organization in the same network. It's it's on the same network and it's not really gapped in any way. There's no air gap between the, the operations there. So a malware, a ransomware, anything can jump across the network to the other server and, and inflict again damage on that entire environment. When you're using air gap systems like tape, where you actually write on a, uh, again, on a continuous mode there into a tape drive that you store somewhere else. So it's not something that's continuously in your tape library that somebody could, again, wipe if they get access to the tape library. Uh, that is uh, the key definition of having really true air gapping. So having a, uh, the media, for example, transported to a location so it's not actively in use by the systems in your environment. And the same, for example, object storage in the cloud, it is, it's not accessible directly from the OS. It is something that you need to have your uh, access key or secret key uh, in the case of AWS, for example, to, to be able to write there and you can have different kind of security aspects as well when you leverage public cloud you can have uh, immutable storage you can have different kind of uh, redundancy for your storage you can have change block tracking and all kinds of different ways how you can you can manage and keep your uh, data available even if something happens to it so so again that's the quick definition of air gap the easiest way to think about it is just ejecting a tape or having it in an object storage something that's not directly writable by the the, the operating system Awesome. So just kind of listening through your talk track there again, you know, cloud came up a couple of times, maybe as we, um, as we think about cloud, what is the best way to leverage cloud in, in a backup? I mean, you mentioned tape a little bit, right? So that kind of makes sense. I think you mentioned object, um, you know, different types of, of, you know, media types in your three to one rule. Uh, what else should we consider when thinking about embracing cloud with data protection? Yeah, and, and cloud is kind of similar kind of term like like ransomware that it means everything and anything. So in the cloud, again, you have lots of different types of cloud, first of all. So uh, you have the infrastructure as a service clouds, like the typical running a VM on somebody else's server type of cloud. You have the platform as a service pass clouds, like let's take like Azure Active Directory or uh, Azure SQL as an example of pass uh, platforms. And then you have the SaaS workloads, software as a service uh, workloads, like the, like the ones uh, like Office 365, Salesforce, G Suite, all the different kind of SaaS platforms. So each of those are uh, also different in and how you can leverage cloud and how you can benefit from cloud. So if you look at IAS, like infrastructure as a service, uh, there's a couple of different aspects there. That, and, and really that goes in most cases by the, the use cases, the backup data protection use cases as well, in a way that most people start using cloud, uh, at least from my perspective. Uh, most people start using cloud by leveraging cloud storage, just having an easy access to something like S3 or Glacier, Glacier Deep Archive in AWS or Azure uh, Hot Cold Archive Storage there, and just targeting backups there. That's kind of the easiest use case. It's, it's pretty simple. Uh, requires just a little bit of management overall and, and is available as a service with acute uptime overall. So you can always know that you can have your data on a secondary site that somebody else's manages available and highly available for restores whenever you need. So infrastructure as a service with storage is that kind of the first step on most people what they what they do in the cloud. And second one is really looking at the running VMs uh, in the cloud or running VMs on somebody else's server like like a lot of people think about cloud. And, and that's 
the the key use case there is really disaster recovery. So doing disaster recovery from on-prem, on-premise en uh, environment to the cloud, whether it's physical or virtual, whether you're running virtual machines or running physical systems, storing something in the cloud and having the ability to stand up that backed up instance in the cloud is really the key secondary use case that a lot of people are are, are using. And, and that's something that for example, on the back of the XX side, we integrate with Azure, with Azure Site Recovery uh, directly so that you can just replicate your VMs directly to Azure to stand them up in minutes if needed. And it's really uh, continuous replication in, in, that allows you to have the latest VM image available in Azure so that you can stand it up in, in, in a matter of minutes if something happens to your primary site. So again, that's kind of the key secondary use case for IIS. The other one that everybody's using is SaaS. Office 365, I, I don't really know anybody who doesn't use Office 365. Uh, we, uh, as an organization, are over, all, all over that. And I know that all of our customers are adopting Office 365 for collaboration, email, Teams, everything else. And really having a, a solution to protect SaaS requires, um, again, having the APIs and the right, right posture there on how do you, how do you have the protection of your SaaS workloads in an efficient manner. And it has a lot of different additional kind of considerations uh, when you start protecting SaaS over on-premise because you have to look at the available bandwidth, throttling that's involved as well, and, and how much data you have in the cloud, how can you have all of your data stored effectively from a, a SaaS solution. And then looking at also the aspect on, on what is actually the native protection in SaaS services like Office 365. If you start digging down and, and looking at what is your responsibility as a customer versus what is the service provider responsibility, the data and keeping the up, upkeeping of the data is actually the customer's responsibility. And in the case of Office 365, uh, Microsoft provides a recycle bin and some other aspects there, but again, it doesn't. It's it's far from uh, having a comprehensive uh, protection for all of the different aspects you can want to have back on Office 365. So it's something that it's really crucial as well for every organization to consider: is is my data protected when I'm using a SaaS service, and how do I know it's protected? So those are just a couple of different considerations for, uh, on cloud. All right, so a lot there too. Let me just see if I, I got the key data points. So when we think about key use cases, infrastructure and storage, disaster recovery, and then SaaS protection, um, and, and we spent a little bit of time there on O365 and how, how Veritas fits in. Did I miss any? I think I caught them all. Yeah, I, I think you got them all uh, pretty much there on the cloud, yep. Okay, awesome, sounds good. Well, well hey, um, as, as we think about maybe wrapping up our conversation here, you know, Larry, can you expand just a bit on, you know, you mentioned ETG and, and the group that you're a part of, you know, is, is there anything specific that, um, you know, we're doing in relation to our Veritas relationship that our listeners should be aware of? Yeah, I think one of the things that we're doing within ETG is looking at where do we have places that we can bring our different suppliers together to provide combined solutions. And one of the key places we've done that is with Intel servers. Intel has a line of servers called Intel data center blocks. They're 1U and 2U rack servers that we found that really most of our partners aren't really aware of. It's a well-kept secret that Intel makes their own servers. And one of the things we're doing within Arrow is we are putting together solutions and we do have one for Veritas backup exec 
where we can bring those two pieces together and combine that Intel hardware with the Veritas backup exec and you know, kind of know that we've vetted that solution within Arrow, we've tested it, don't have it yet, but I should shortly be standing up a an environment in our open lab for demos as needed. It's something we're working on getting put in place as we speak, just to help uh, help strengthen the relationship and strengthen our business with both Intel and Veritas. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, you know, um, top of mind for us is is certainly around our ecosystem and alliances. I think you named you know two really good ones for us on Veritas and Intel. So certainly, you know, we encourage our listeners to to reach out to your channel resource, your arrow resource, and uh, and make sure that you're kind of up to speed on what we're doing there uh, within our ecosystem. Amico, coming back to you as we prepare to end here, kind of final thoughts, uh, you know, maybe a potential call to action for our listeners out there. Yeah, I I, I really want to uh, highlight like backup, the importance of backup overall in, in everywhere. In, in the case of, uh, from customer perspective, it's it's really something that you don't think until you need it. It's something that's good to have. It's kind of like having that insurance always for your car or anything else. To, so it's not about just needing it every day, but when you need it, you actually have it there. And then from reseller point of view, backup overall is an easy attach to any engagement. It's it's really the, the fries to the burger. Uh, whenever uh, resellers are, are selling anything, any workloads, any cloud services, anything else, it's good to ask the question on how do you protect that? What is their data protection strategy? And, and in most cases, Backup Exec provides uh, a great uh, solution for, for most environments. Yeah, fantastic. I think your uh, insurance analogy is great. You know, nobody likes to uh, get sick or hurt or be in an accident, but, you know, gosh, when one of those things inevitably happens, it's so nice to have an insurance policy to kind of draw back or fall back on. So great analogy. They're also uh, a big foodie, right? So anytime we mention burgers and fries, I'm all in. <laughs> so, so looking forward to that as well. Uh, Miko, thank you so much again for joining us on uh, on Aero Bandwidth. It's, it's been a pleasure. Very insightful. You know, a ton of stuff happening. It's uh, a Veritas, a ton of stuff happening out there in our world, you know, where, where we need and, and continue to see, you know, data protection evolve. So exciting to have you guys as part of our ecosystem. Larry, thanks for hopping on and joining me here on today's call. With that, you know, as always, if you want to learn more, you know, reach out to your Aero channel manager. And until next time, we'll wish you well, and we'll catch you on the next Aero Bandwidth. Thanks so much for listening. To contact us on Twitter, use hashtag AeroBandwidth, and we'll see you next week.